Hey, Hill City, my name is Lacey and I'm part of the team here. We are so glad you are online with us this morning. We want you to know that Hill City is a safe place for you to get to know Jesus. So if you're curious and have doubts, uh, questions or fears, we would be honored to walk with you through them. We want to know who you are, check in with you and see how you're doing. So you can fill out a connection card on our website to help you get better connected with people. Today, we've got a few songs and then the next message in our sermon series. Thanks for being here. Good to see all of you guys. Um, if this is your first time here at Hill City, um, thank you so much uh, for being here. My name is John Wagler. I'm part of this team. 
and just so grateful that you are here. I hope that this is a place that you can call home. And um, if you are uh, new, we would love to meet you. So on your way out here in this breezeway area, there's a little um, info bar out there that uh, we, there's some people that would love to answer any of your questions, um, help you get connected here uh, at Hill City and take some next steps. Um, I've got two uh, big announcements. Um, well, biggish. I don't want, I don't want to like be dramatic. Um, so there's like two like bigger announcements. I'm, I'm going to do one now and then one later. Um, the first one here now is um, Influencers Weekend is coming up. Um, how many of you guys have been to our Influencers Weekend before? Yeah. So we've got some incredible speakers. It's coming up September 24th and 25th. Tickets go on sale um, today. And so um, we'll post about that. Um, but um, September 24th, 25th, it'll be here. Um, the, we got several incredible speakers, but pr the headliner that we have coming in that we'll actually hear twice um, that week is Dr. Caroline Leaf. Um, if you guys have not read any of her books and what she does, she's a globally known speaker uh, around mindset and how our brains work and everything. It's, it's incredible how God interacts with that. We're partnering up uh, with the Life Church, uh, which is like one of our best friend churches uh, here in Richmond. And so we'll be doing a bunch of stuff together on that Friday and uh, Saturday. And so we'd love to have all you guys come out uh, for that. Um, we're in this series called uh, Won't He Do It? And this is studying the book of Mark. And uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, Mark is one of the four Gospels. All right. And so those Gospels um, are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, what those Gospels do is they actually uh, tell the story of Jesus and his teachings. And they each give a little bit different perspective um, on what he taught and kind of some of the different angles that he took. And so um, we've been dissecting uh, here throughout this, I think this is week 12, I believe, um, of this uh, series, and we are still in Mark chapter 7 today. So um, we're, not, we're not even getting close to finishing the book. We'll, we'll finish it at some point. But um, it's been really cool to see up to this point this story arc that what Jesus is doing here. In the beginning, we, we see him uh, like kind of this introduction into like what is the kingdom of God and what does it look like and getting people to think about it. And, and as he's teaching, he's got these close followers to him and, and trying to get them to understand like if you want to follow me, like this is what it looks like and this is what you do and this is how you think. And then some other like really cool things of just like all these miracles that Jesus is doing and everything. And so it's kind of like taking us on this journey that eventually comes to his death and resurrection. Uh, but prior to that, it's all this prep work of like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does his kingdom look like? And why is it so important for us to begin to uh, see it in this way? And so today we're going to look at something around authentic change. I love the song we just sang because uh, the lyrics of turning graves into gardens, it's like God does this change in us, right? In this authentic change. How many of you guys have wanted to change something, but then kind of faked it like you did, right? Like you didn't really change it. You just kind of like made it look like you did. Um, or it wasn't like authentic. It was just like this general change. It was like part of it was good, right? And um, some of it was good and the idea was good, but you didn't kind of fully take it to fruition. And so there wasn't like real authentic change inside of you. And so um, the things around you that you hoped would have changed never actually did, right? Because it was just kind of a little bit of change, but it just wasn't authentic at the core level of who you are. And um, that's happened. I want to give you some historical examples because um, what's interesting about the way that Jesus teaches is he's got this balance. Um, we're going to see today that he's talking to these Pharisees and these teachers of the law um, who were responsible for the religious system. So there's kind of like this systematic element that Jesus is talking to. Um, but he's also talking to like the person, all right, so there's this balance of both. Um, right now, you know, we, in our culture, it, it's a lot of talk about systematic things, and that's a thing. Um, and then there's some that's like, no, it's personal responsibility. And it's like, if we read scripture, it actually talks to both. It's not just one or the other, okay? So uh, we're going to see that a little bit today. And as the more you read, read the teachings of Jesus, you'll see this actually a lot, where there's this, he's looking at a bigger system, but also talking to personal responsibility, all right? So we're going to see both of those things um, here uh, today, which is important. But I want to give you some historical examples to talk about change in this way, um, because you can see it. Um, some of you guys might have even been alive for uh, some of these. Some of you guys, it was just in the history books. But um, this one here, when um, the 
if you look at the kind of the poverty line and, and everything else, there was this idea of minimum wage that started, you know, actually started before 1968, but um, actually started um, roughly around 19, in the 1930s. And there's this idea of like, we need to change something because people aren't getting paid a living wage to be able to survive, all right? And so, um, so they, they started this, and in the beginning it was 25 cents an hour, and then you can see that like right now where we're at, it's not good, right? the minimum wages. It's not like an actual living wage. Um, but at one point in 1968, um, it, actually the largest buying power um, in, in, so like if you got paid minimum wage, comparatively right now it'd be about 11.90 or 12 bucks an hour, right? If that were the federal minimum wage. And so it actually was kind of a, almost a living wage you could have. And so there was this idea of like if we just change like this minimum wage thing that it would be helpful. And was it helpful? Kind of. Right? It, it started something. Did it bring about the systematic and communal change that we desired? It did not. Right? It did not. And it's actually gotten worse. If, it were go to, if minimum wage would go along with inflation right now, it would be about 21 bucks an hour. Okay? So, so we, begin to, to see, we begin to see that like, the idea was good, and there was a little change, and that was good. But it just didn't quite fully get there. And that, that's okay. It just, it just shows we got room to grow. Um, here's another one uh, about equal pay. Um, this was um, happened in 1963. Um, JFK um, signed into existence. And it was this idea that women weren't getting paid what men were, right? They're, 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 they're working jobs and sometimes similar jobs as men. And they weren't getting paid. And, um, and then you see the signs there. It says, but they only get four-fifths of the pay. All right? And so this, this, this law goes into place in 1963. And, um, and when it happened, is that a good idea? Yes, right? Women, you should have said yes, right? And I feel like that would have been like a stronger yes there. I was like setting it up for you, right? So, so it, it's a very good idea, right? Um, guess what? So back then it was about four-fifths when that happened. Um, guess what it is today? About 83 cents. So was it a good idea? Yes. Did it fully work and get the change that we desired? No. And, and, and so there, there's a little bit of change, but, but not fully. If, if you're a black woman in our country, you get 63 cents. All right? So it actually went down there. So, so we begin to see, we begin to see um, that there was change that was like, in, in, the intention was good, but it didn't fully um, get there. Here's the last one that you might remember. This, when uh, Brown versus the Board of Education happened, and, and I put these pictures next to each other because it was the juxtaposition of, of what was actually happening. And, and Brown versus the Board of Education, 1954, when this happened, um, was it good? Yes. Was the, the idea good? Yes. Um, to integrate schools, is that a good idea? Yes. And we'll see, like you see some pictures of some things that like these kids are laughing together or whatever. And, um, but then you see at the same exact time, this other thing is happening. And people are like going against it. And, and so you see like the idea was good. Did Brown versus the Board of Education work? Kind of. Not fully though. It didn't bring about the change that we thought it would. It didn't bring about the, the, the level of education that it should have happened. And there's still racial things that began to, to keep happening in our country. And so, so it didn't work. Did the change work? Yeah, yeah, it was kind of good. And there was a systematic thing that was kind of okay. But did it fully work? Well, no. It didn't fully work, and we still have problems with it today. And so the re there's a reason for that, though. There's a reason for that. And, and that's what Jesus is actually going to speak into us today. And this is a, actually a very important element that some things are good, a law can be good, a change can be good, and it can move us in the right direction. You can actually make some progress. However, however there could be there's something missing for it to fully take shape. And to follow Jesus, all right, to follow Jesus is you, ha you have to embrace the fullness of the change. And you have to, to see it. And to follow Jesus has to be, we have to be people that will see the, the possibility of a systematic communal change that we desire while also there being a personal one, all right? And to follow Jesus is you got to have both. You can't just talk about one or the other, that you need um, both. And so here's the main idea for today. Authentic change requires a transformation of the heart. Authentic change requires a transformation of the heart. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 7. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there, um, or it'll be up on the screen as well. This story is uh, it's going to be one of our longer ones that we actually read. Um, this story is an interesting one because of, of how Jesus is interacting. I want you to pay attention to a few different things. is how he's interacting with the leaders— 
of the religious system and that they're making it corrupt, okay? And I want you to see how he's talking to them, and then I want you to see how he responds to his followers and, and, and how they begin to take in this story as well. So um, Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 1, says, the Pharisees, all right, so the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law, so they're the leaders, they're, they're the people like really essentially controlling the culture and the feel of the entire system at play, okay? Um, who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating foods with their hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed, all right? So the Pharisees and all, all these Jews do not eat unless they, have get, they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And then they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles, all right? So there is this, um, within the Mosaic law, in Jewish law, you, 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 there were these cleanliness laws. And so they were doing all these things all the time. Now, what these Pharisees and teachers of the law were doing um, was actually more than they should have, more than what the law required, right? They were doing something that was only designed for the priests to do. But what they had done is they twisted everything. And they said, we're doing this, so everyone else needs to do this too, all right? So they're, they're putting things on people that didn't have to be put there, all right? Now, we'll talk about it, but were there some things that were good in this cleanliness? Of course. Like, Jewish people were way healthier. Jewish people, like, some of the cleanliness laws were in incredibly impactful in their community. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? That's very, very important. Instead of eating their food with defiled hands, he replies, Isaiah was right when he prophesied <laughs> about you hypocrites. Now, Jesus, so when we picture Jesus, a lot of times we picture him as like just this kind of sweet guy, right? And he comes across, and he's so gentle, and he's, he's kind, and, and all those things, which, which are totally true. But Jesus also, um, he's going to throw a quick jab and an uppercut sometimes. And um, he'll like kind of coax you in. He's, he's like, he's listening to them talk, and he's like, huh, interesting. Isaiah told me about you hypocrites, right? Like, like, like that's what he does. Like when you read his passage, you feel like, oh, grace and forgiveness, and all of a sudden he just levels you, right? Like this is what Jesus is doing in this moment. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This is important because he's, the passage in Isaiah he's referencing is, Isaiah was an old prophet, and when Isaiah was talking, he was talking about God's people who had completely turned their back from him. And they had played this game. They're like, we're God's people, but it was a game to them. It, it wasn't real. It wasn't real in the core of their very being. It was by title only. And so Jesus is addressing them, and he's like, you hypocrites. This is like intense, serious language. He says, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely, look at this, human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. You see what he's doing here? He keeps saying, like, you, you, you say you're a follower you say you're, you're part of God's people. If I'm putting it in modern terms, he would, it would be Jesus saying this. You say you're a Christian, but all you do is the cultural, cultural things. You, you only do the human tradition things. You, you keep going back to, to what culture is saying or humanity is saying, like, but you don't actually follow my commands. You don't actually involve. You, you say you're a Christian, but Jesus would be like, but you're a hypocrite. Welcome. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, which is, means a sacrifice you can make to the temple. Okay, that's all that is. It says that is devoted to God. Then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. So here's what they're doing. Because of these human traditions and because that they wanted to pad their own pockets, basically, Instead of honoring their father and mother and taking care of them, they're like, oh, no, 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 we sacrificed that money um, um, to, to the temple. So, so we just don't have any left to take care of our parents and so they let their parents go. All right, so this is where human tradition leads. All right, and these are the teachers of the law. So thus, you nullify the word of God, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. Oh, my gosh, you guys. I know I'm pausing so much, but this is just so rich. He, he's, 
He says, and you nullify the word of God. And he says that you're passing it down. Do, do you see this? It, it's this generational thing that starts happening. Um, this is why so many times I bring up things that happened in the past. Because it gets passed down. And, and it keeps going because it becomes part of human tradition that infects and corrupts the church. That's why it's so important. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable, right? So he leaves the crowd and he gathers his closest people back in. <laughs> Look at what Jesus said. He goes, are you so dull? Right? Because disciples, like, again, if you've been in this series, it's like, they've seen so much. Like, they've seen so much. And, and they still just don't get it. So he, he gathers around. It's another little moment, right? He, he's like, the disciples are gathered around, and Jesus has them down. They're probably eating something at this point. He gathers them around. They're about to have, like, a nice conversation. Like, hey, Jesus, um, um, what was that about again? And he's like, are you, are you so dull? Right? Like, it's like that little piece of, like, just come on, get with me here. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their body, but into their stomach and then out of the body. I'll say this. What's actually written here is really, like, graphic. And so um, he's just talking about taking a big old dump. All right? Like that's, and he's, but he's using, like, very graphic language. And saying this, Jesus, I'm not saying, like, some of you guys are like, oh, yeah. Like, the Bible is saying that, not me. Um, he went on, he says, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. And watch this. Sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. And so what Jesus is really addressing here, he's like, man, you guys are putting this exterior thing out here and you're corrupting the system. You're corrupting the faith. You're corrupting the witness. And what's happening is there's a systematic communal thing happening that's really bad. And, and, and that needs to change. But it's because of also what's happening inside of you that that's there. All right? So you can do all these things. You could do all these things on the exterior, but it's not going to really have the impact you think it's going to because what's in the core of your very being has not changed at all. It has not changed at all. Here's the first thing I want you to see. That authentic change isn't for show, but it does show out. Authentic change isn't for show, but it does show out. Like when you authentically change, if you move um, from being a jerk to being gracious and kind, you, you don't tell everyone you're gracious and kind, it just what? It comes out of you. It comes out of you because why? It's, it's authentic in the core of your being. It, it changes. There's this dramatic change and, and, and people see it in you, right? If, if, if we were to kind of pass the mic around, I, my guess would be like, how have you changed over the last few years? Like what authentically has changed in you over the last few years? There are things that you should be able to say. There, there are things that um, people around you should be like, oh, you know what? That's really changed inside of them. Like if your, your best friends should be able to tell some things about you that have changed. Your, your, your husband or your wife should be able to say, you know what, honey? You know what's cool? When Wag said that, here's what I know that's changed about you as you've grown closer to Jesus over the past year or two. It, what, it's authentically changed in the, the core of your being. So it does come out. It, it shows out. Now, you don't talk about it, but it shows out. What we have right now in our culture is, um, you guys ever heard the term slacktivism? You, guys, you ever heard that? So slacktivism is this idea of, it's like the keyboard warriors, all right? So they put a lot on social media about all the things that are happening, all the things that are going on, and they talk about it, but they actually don't change anything. Nothing in their core of their being is changing. Nothing in their life has changed. They don't actually do anything. They just post about it. And so in the end, it, it, they're just slackers. That's why it's, it's slacktivism. And, and so you could talk about it, and, but if you don't do anything about it, it's like, who cares? Is it all bad? No, it's not all bad. 
Like, there, there could be some good in just bringing some stuff up, right? But if your life has not been angled towards doing something about it, then it's worthless. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't impact communal change. It's in the reason, the reason nothing changes is why? It's not inside of you. You just like to post about it because it just makes you feel good. And so you're trying to show out for others rather than let your actions and your heart begin to show out and make an actual change. There just actually isn't anything going on. It's, it's funny, sometimes people be like, they'd be so amped on something on social media, but if you have like a real conversation with them and say like, so what are you doing about it? They're like, well, I, I mean, I, I got like 100 likes on that thing. It doesn't do anything. Like, how generous are you towards that? Oh, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't actually give anything towards it. I don't give any time or money or whatever. So you don't, you don't actually do anything. And so it's this, this slacktivism. Like, we see this all over the place. That's why one of the reasons things don't actually change, there's actually not an internal transformative thing that's happened inside of them. And so that's why we don't see the systematic thing. It's part of why, you know, for seven years here, we... We've talked about race, we've talked about, um, we've challenged the discussions on sexuality, we talk about greed, we talk about things like anger, we, we talk about politics, we talk about all this stuff, right? And some of you guys don't like that we talk about it all the time, whatever, I get it. Um, but here's the reality. If we just pop in on the conversation every so often, that's slacktivism. And, and that would be like, if I just occasionally talked about the racial discussion, just in case, like just when something big happened, I just popped in on the conversation. It's, that would be like our form of slacktivism. Whereas I'm like, we've got issues in our country, so we're just going to keep the issues that we see before us, we're just going to keep them out, right? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, how many times have I talked about the kingdom of God versus like earthly kingdom, right? All the time. All the time. And I will keep doing it until it changes. We've got a long way to go. But why? Why do I keep talking about the kingdom of God all the time? Because it's got to be put in front of us all the time. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. He keeps putting it in front of his people. And he's like, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. Do you want in on it or not? Rather than just kind of dipping our toe in. Oh, I'm in. I'm back out. It's like, no, no, we want to put it before us because of how much impact this actually has. And when we look at the Pharisees here and the teachers of the law, that's what they're doing. Here, here's, in the end, here's what they're doing. They're trying to show out for themselves, which that builds their self-righteousness. And then here's what they end up doing. They love to shame others. This is what communities start looking like. The self-righteousness builds at such a massive level. It's like, we talk about how great we are. Look what we've done right? And the self-righteousness builds, and then we, we shame other people, and we love doing it. That's when, when there's not real, authentic change in us, that's what will be the end result. And then our communities become more about shunning people rather than restoring. It becomes more about dividing people rather than bringing a unified effort back in. It becomes more about, I'm over here, and you're over there, and, and, and rather than being like, hey, let me appreciate one another's perspectives on this. It changes everything. The second thing that I think is important in this is that authentic change will not happen through rules, but you will create boundaries. When there's a, a real change inside of you, a real change inside of you, um, it's not going to be rule-based, right? The Pharisees would like to put up rules for people. It's not going to be rule-based, but you will create boundaries. See, if you don't have boundaries in your life, then you actually don't have freedom, and, and I know, I know, like, the language a lot of times in our country is, like, we're obsessed with choice, right? We're obsessed with, how many of y'all have heard someone recently be like, you can't tell me what to do, right? Just read the news for six seconds, and it's someone saying that. You can't tell me what to do, right? We've got freedom, you can't tell me what to do, da, da, da. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The greatest freedom has boundaries, when Jesus talks about the most fulfilling life, does he ever say, just do what you want? Seriously, like, you can read through the Bible as many times as you want to. Read through just the teachings of Jesus as many times as you want to, and you will never, ever get to the point where Jesus says, you know what? When you're following me, you can do whatever you want. 
See, because you inherently know that what you might want to do might be harmful for someone else. And here's what ends up happening. When you love the other person, you create a boundary in your life so you don't hurt them. Is that not loving others? <laughs> Is that not the essence of it? Like, even when we don't, like, we might disagree with something, or we might want to, like, we feel like I should be able to do something, but if it hurts someone else, why in the world would I ever do that? It's like, no, no, to fully love someone else, like, that's what Jesus teaches us to do, is to, to love others. It's, he says it's one of the biggest commandments. And so we, we've got to understand we want to create boundaries. Here's a way to think about it. Boundaries happen when we're aware of what is out of bounds for our life. How many of you guys wish in a relationship at some point you had better boundaries? If you had told yourself what was out of bounds and you had learned and had the wisdom to know what was out of bounds for your relationship at that point in time, how much more freedom would you have had? A whole heck of a lot. And so this has becomes part of the process of understanding. It's like, man, when authentic change really happens inside of me, I want to know what's out of bounds for my life. I want to know because then I put these boundaries here so I can have real, authentic freedom. And here's the thing about following Jesus, you guys. When you follow Jesus, the Bible comes with you. So a lot of times people will be like, yes, grace. It's so wonderful right? And we think we can just frolic through life, right? And we're like, this is so great. This is great. And I'm all in on grace, and I'll talk about mercy in a second. But we're all in on that. Yes, 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 yes. But we also have to realize there's this thing called the, the Spirit of God that moves through us that's going to lead us to the truth of who Jesus is and what he taught. And that the Bible, when we open up the Bible, we begin to explore this. We don't use it as a rule book. We use it as a guide. We use it as a way to, to explore more of what God might have for us. And it helps us create these boundaries that we need in our life to experience real freedom. Let me ask you this. Jesus here is talking. He says that people will experience the overflow of your heart. Why would we not want to create boundaries around our hearts then? If, if the people closest to you experience the overflow of what's inside of you, then why would we not want to create boundaries to make sure what's inside of us is protected? To make sure what's inside of us is like where, where God can operate so freely about the corruption of other things. Here's the third thing and the last thing. Authentic change gives us wisdom and awareness and makes us stop looking for loopholes. Um, I started processing, like, <laughs> all the times I, I've willingly done loopholes in my life and all the times I've done them by mistake, right? And you realize, ah, I created a loophole there. It, it's like you're trying to, like, figure out, like, how much, what's the bare minimum I can do, right? And I think a lot of times with, with, with Christianity right now, here's what we try to do. We try to see, like, What's the bare minimum I can get away with and still be like a Christian, right? What's the, what's the bare minimum rather, rather than taking a step back and saying like, how do I wholeheartedly follow Jesus and experience the fullness of his kingdom? Two different thoughts. Two very different thoughts. And so it's like stepping in and saying like, what, what are the loopholes I've been trying to create in my life? One of the ways I was thinking about it this week was the followers of Jesus don't look for loopholes, but people acting like Christianity is a game do. And you might be thinking, that's a little aggressive. And maybe. Um, this is what I realized in my own life. When I'm following Jesus in the way that I should, I, I don't look for loopholes. I, I see the loopholes that maybe I created, and I want him to speak into them. And I want, I, want, I want to close those things. And so there's like a true authentic change in me. But when I'm like off track a little bit, here's what I've noticed in my own life. When I'm off track a little bit and I want to create a loophole in some kind of way, I'm, I'm realizing that, you know, I'm actually not really wholeheartedly following Jesus right now. I'm just kind of doing it. And there were times in my life where I was just labeling myself as a Christian, but I wasn't actually following Jesus. And how I began to see it so often in my own life, and when I was just like labeling myself a Christian and not actually following him, was um, typically it would start with my money. 
my money was just, I, it was just all about me, and I wasn't very generous with my money. Um, my community, I wasn't invested in Christian community. And um, I wasn't putting time, I was doing all these other things, and I wasn't actually really invested in Christian community. And, and, this, and I'm telling, like, this is when I was at, like, a decent point in my life. When I was in, like, college and just out of college and, like, called myself a Christian, there's a whole other slew of things that I was doing. But, like, what for you that maybe you've created some loopholes? And maybe you have to come to a realization that you're actually not following right now. Or maybe you've gotten a little, I don't know, weak on it, or maybe you've just gotten a little hesitant, or maybe it's not as strong as it used to be. Well, why is that? And what ends up happening is that the authentic change that you desire won't be there. It won't be there at all. And the people around you begin to experience this. You know, when Jesus is talking to these Pharisees, this is what he's actually getting after. He's like, all you guys are doing is creating all these loopholes to look good, but the authentic change hasn't been there. And so you've let all these human traditions come in, and they've impacted you. Um, did you notice in that list... Um, in, uh, I think it was verse 20, if I'm not mistaken, verse 22. In, the, in that list, Jesus talks about all these things that, like, defile a person, and it's like, what comes out of them, right? Now, what's interesting is, is right now, if you're looking at kind of, like, one part of the conversation, like, Jesus says, what comes out of people that have been defiled, and he labels these things as evil, okay? And he says, sexual morality, now, here's what I know about the church. We, we can beat that drum pretty hard, right? On sexual immorality. We're like, yep, get them. Get them. Let's get all the sexual immoral people. Let's get them, right? We have done a wonderful job of alienating people like that, right? We're like, sexual immorality, right? We love that, right? But somehow we miss this one, greed. Jesus puts it in the same sentence. But man, I just don't see people like so worried about that. It's amazing how many loopholes we find for greed. Isn't that weird? Huh. How about this one? Envy. How many guys, honestly, you cannot lie, because that's also deceit is another one on here. <laughs> How many of you guys have been envious of something recently? It's okay. I have to, right? Have you ever thought to yourself that Jesus labeled that as evil? But Wags, what about the sexually immoral? That's weird. What about slander? Talked poorly about somebody else? Come on. Hum. Think about the people that make you the most mad. All right? Think about the people you're like, they're ruining America. <laughs> think about them. Have you slandered them in any way? Talked poorly about them? Maybe some people you actually know, have you gossiped about them? That's weird that Jesus says, that's evil too. Huh. And there's arrogance and folly. It's just fascinating to me. Here's what ends up happening. This is what gets passed down, you guys. This is why it's so important. This is what gets passed down and corrupts the system and corrupts the church and everything. Because we keep justifying. When our hearts aren't right, we justify ridiculous things. And we create these loopholes. I mean, think about this. People have lost relationships in the past couple of years over polit political stuff, right? And what's crazy is so much of the political conversation and the people that they've lost relationships over one way or the other identify with so many of these things on this list that Jesus calls evil. Isn't that weird? See, we begin to justify that. It's like, no, no, this authentic core level change has to get into the followers of Jesus. 
instead of saying things like, well, it's the lesser of two evils, or instead of saying things like, well, it's the way the system is, it's like, no, no, no. Kingdom of God people, like, step in and bed. We will no longer accept what is. Because that's not what we think like. Otherwise, what will happen is we'll keep justifying things, and we create these loopholes, and we keep passing it on to the next generation. That's what Jesus is talking about. Now, here's what's interesting. In this passage in the Sermon on the Mount, um, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, Jesus says this, that um, blessed, and he uses this phrase like blessed, meaning it's like there's this connection with God that ends up happening, but blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And this idea of mercy is this, um, it's one of the characters of God, like the characteristics of God, and, and we see this in Exodus 34, when listed like one of the characteristics of God is his mercy. And it's this idea of like a loving kindness that ends up happening. And I was thinking about this idea of mercy this week because I often reflect back on the Sermon on the Mount all the time because that's what Jesus kind of like maps out as like, hey, here's what my kingdom of God is like and what my followers should like aspire to. And I started thinking about this idea of mercy. I'm like, man, this loving kindness that we receive from God, this, this gentleness, this goodness that we receive from God. And what Jesus says is that when we know the mercy of God, like this is like that internal change, that like authentic change that happens in the core of our being, when we know that mercy of God and experience that in the core of our being, we give that mercy to others and then that mercy comes back to us. And what he's saying there is that internal change of awareness of the mercy of God in your life, this loving kindness toward God towards you, that internal core level change allows us to live that out towards other people, that then it comes back to us from other people. And here's all he's saying, that the internal change that happened to you personally makes you love others in the same way. And when those people feel it, then it makes a huge communal change that comes back. And it's tying this in. It's like, it's not just about you. That it's like, when we see God and love God and understand his mercy and what begins to shape and this authentic change happens, it comes out of us in a way that impacts an entire community and system of people. And it flows back to you. Band, you guys can come back up. And so, when I think about this stuff, I, my heart for our community is I want this deep, core-level change to who we are. I get there's a process. I get the steps. I get, I get all that stuff. If you've been around here for any length of time, you know I'm like, hey, we're in for the journey. We're in. If it takes you 17 years to get where I hope you would be, we are in for all 17 years, not 18. I'm no, just kidding. We're, we are in for the entire time, however long it takes. But we want the authentic core level change that is inside of us because when that happens here's what we'll be able to say oh man this mercy and grace i've received from jesus that has changed the core of my being i now live it out into this community and when that happens according to jesus not according to me not according to your discipleship coach not according to anything else according to jesus when that core level thing happens inside of us and we begin to live it out, it not only changes us, it changes communities. It changes systems. And then we reciprocate it back. That's what I want for us. The external stuff, come on, y'all. If external stuff worked, really successful people wouldn't have epic fails and falls, right? If external stuff worked, it wouldn't always be changed. The external stuff doesn't work. I'm talking us having a moment being like, is it real? Authentically real. And if it isn't, do I want to start the process and begin to see what could really happen? So we're going to take a minute here. We're going to sing another song, and then I'll come back up and pray with us. But I want us to take a moment and just settle our hearts and what God might be speaking to you right now. 
Maybe it's about some kind of loophole. Maybe it's about something you know you're not authentic about. Maybe, it's, maybe you've gotten real lax in your faith. And you're understanding, you're like, right now you're like, you know what, I'm actually, I haven't been that committed, and I want that to change, authentically change inside of me. So we're going to take a minute, we'll put it up on the clock there and on the, on the screen, and then we'll sing one more song. Thank you so much for watching with us this morning. If you are out there and have questions, prayer needs, or want to get better connected, check in on our website so you can stay in the loop. Also, have you heard about the discipleship program? Signups are now open. The question is, do you really want to connect with God and to connect with people? And if so, this is the best opportunity that we have in our church to do that because we know that everyone has a step to take. And honestly, this one's probably yours. So go sign up and learn more about the discipleship program on the website. See you next week.